What goes on inside the mind of the Singapore consumer? The Kiasunomics podcast series unravels the way Singaporeans behave across different domains like spending, transport, environment, superstition, schooling, and housing markets. Backed by multiple research studies, NUS Business School professors examine the quirks, psychology, and mechanics behind the daily economic decisions of Singaporeans. Welcome back to another episode of Kiasunomics Podcast. Every time I'm looking for a taxi, I am torn between looking for a Grab or Gojek or regular comfort, and I have to make an instantaneous decision. Which one do I choose? Which has a lower price? I'm switching between apps, looking for the right price. And every now and then there is surge pricing by these companies because they work on a market basis on demand and supply. As demand and supply changes, the prices change. But for regular Grab taxi cars or like comfort cars, the pricing does not change. Sounds interesting. I mean, anecdotally, I know what I would do. I would switch back. But systematically, what do people do in Singapore? I mean, it's an interesting question. It's very data intensive. You can't just answer by conducting a survey. You need to talk to an expert who has actually looked at the data. Luckily, we have Professor Shishfen Chen from SMU who has actually looked at this. And he has a very fascinating paper on surge pricing and taxi driver behavior and also how consumers respond because this is an equilibrium outcome. So tell us, uh, Shishfen, what made you think about this topic? What excites you about it? And how did you go about studying this? Right. Thank you, Sumit, for the invitation. So I think this topic is particularly interesting because, uh, uh, as Sumit just mentioned, this essentially, uh, you look at taxi, you look at uh, ride-hailing services like Grab or Uber, they are essentially providing exactly the, exactly the same services. But um, they could potentially be priced very differently. On one hand, you have taxi, which pretty much follow the pricing formula. On the other hand, you have Grab and Uber, they adopt this uh, dynamic pricing. So it has been a topic of interest for uh, some time, but people do not have chance to study it mostly because they don't have data for it. Because you, as you can imagine, if you really would like to study that, you need to collect the data from taxi, from Uber, from Grab. And it's just very difficult. But we do have one chance, which is very unique in Singapore, uh, that happened in 2017. Uh, 2017, about uh, April time, Grab created this new product called Just Grab. An idea, I think, at that time was innovative. We tried to combine both the private car and also the taxi cab. And because we have the full exposure to the, uh, the taxi rights data uh, through the land transport authority. So through that, we actually get to see what's the impact of Grab's introduction of this particular product to the ridership uh, in the taxi market. And I think one of the things that we discovered very interestingly is that while we are monitoring the, uh, the surge prices uh, across the Singapore, uh, by sampling prices by using Grab's uh, app, we see that, uh, surprisingly, the rises in the ride-hailing services doesn't directly correspond to people shifting away from the service. It means that you, you see that, for example, there's a 10% rise in the ride-hailing services, 
it doesn't translate to people like escaping the, the platform and choose a cheaper alternative, which is taxi. Uh, and we quantified that. So roughly speaking, 10% of the increase uh, on the right hailing platform only account to about 2.6% of ridership uh, increase in the taxi booking. So let me pause here because there's too many things. Let me try to disentangle them. The first thing is what, what you were able to do is by exploiting this policy change by Grab and looking at taxi guys, they both were doing regular taxi and they were also taking Grab customers. And this allowed you to see within the same taxi how they switched between these two. Because otherwise it's very hard. You will need data from taxi, comfort and Grab. Luckily here you were able to find within the same driver their choice between Grab and Taxi. Am I correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh. and then I think another interesting fact uh, in 2017 is that, of course, nowadays, uh, even taxi companies, they adopt dynamic pricing, but in the year of 2017, uh, they are pretty still just stick to the expected pricing. So their price are always fixed. So, so that's a very nice experiment because even if you had data from Grab and Comfort, there could be other differences. The drivers, their personality, their age, how long they have been driving. Here you're fixing everything. Mm -hmm. You're saying, look, surge price happens within a small geography, within a small time period. And now you're gonna look with the same driver, what is happening, where is he getting calls from? Is he getting calls on his grab or is he getting calls from his comfort um, system? Yeah, exactly. So we pretty much control for everything. We divide Singapore into uh, close to 80 different small zones. Uh, so, I mean, it's not a very big region, about mm. usually around two square kilometers. And then we use the time period of 30 minutes. And we control for like all the observable factors, the numbers of available taxis, uh, the weather condition, particularly the rainfall, like all the observable external factors that we can imagine. So, I mean, I would think people are very cost sensitive, very kiasu in finding and claiming, look, I got the best ride. And you are finding that the sensitivity is very small. A 10% increase in the price of Grab is only causing 2.5% shift in going to comfort. Why do you think this sensitivity is small? Yeah, I think one way might be uh, I think there's a lot of uh, behavioral study. Uh, for example, when uh, the ride-hauling services design the way they communicate messages to their customers, they just constantly pin their customers by showing them that, oh, your driver is on the way, we are searching, uh, just to keep them engaged. Right? So I think that definitely helps uh, by talking to, I think, their, uh, their people. Uh, it seems to be uh, one trick they find out to be empirically uh, very effective. And I think other ways might be, other factors might be uh, various different kind of platform incentive. Uh, I think those loyalty points definitely uh, might be helpful. So people, I mean, instead of uh, just completely switching to a different platform, they just stick to whatever they have on hand. So can you quantify by not switching how much money the customers may be leaving on the table or that's beyond the scope of the study? Yeah, we also have that number as well. I believe uh, in the paper we quantify that as uh, about 80%, okay. 18%, sorry. 18%. 18%. Yeah. 
Wow, so that's quite a large number. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's not just, what should I, chicken rice. It's yeah. much more than that. Yeah. It could have a significant impact on your overall cost savings. Yeah, exactly. I see. So what are the implications on the driver's behavior? So far, mm-hmm. you have said the consumers don't respond. Mm-hmm. Now, do the drivers learn anything or change their behavior by looking at this? So we do notice by our informal chat with uh, taxi drivers some more savvy ones they actually monitor uh, their grab app even like they are not really driving for grab mm. what they are looking for is uh, search factors right? so i mean kind of like they imagine that oh because the search factor is high in certain region must be high demand and there's not enough drivers so they will use that to set their cruising policy and this has turned out to be i think something that's really interesting because uh, later we also utilize this particular insight in our paper. And we say that uh, if, let's say, at the system level, we incorporate the right hailing platform search factors, we can actually improve the demand prediction for the taxi fleet as well. I see. So so essentially, uh, when the driver, because here you have this uh, comfort driver who can choose which one to respond to. They're getting a query from Grab and they're getting a query from Comfort. Clearly, during search factor, they know they make more money from the query from Grab. Can mm-hmm. they choose not to take the query from uh, Comfort altogether? Or is there a penalty in doing that? So in the year of 2017, I think luckily uh, at that time, Comfort forbid their drivers to drive for Grab. So okay. we don't have this issue we need to concern. Okay. But indeed, for the smaller fleet, I mean, that is the issue that they have to face. Uh, for smaller fleet like uh, SMRT or Transcap, at that time, they still run their own uh, booking center. But it's basically just, uh, I mean, not having a lot of traffic. So they predominantly actually rely on the Grab services. For those cases, uh, you can imagine, most of the driver actually, their major source of booking trip is really from Grab. So this is what I was getting at now, thinking about do drivers learn on how can they learn about mm-hmm. this? I mean, typically, can we use data or can you actually think of designing a smart system that you can provide to the drivers saying, okay, here are the search factors, here's the traffic, this is where you should go. Have you thought about this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... Uh, I think one of the challenge for the driver is that they are driving and they are thinking about all this, like their driving strategies and have to process so much uh, real-time information. So the issue for, I would say, majority of the driver is that even they have all the information on hand, processing that, generating sensible decisions is extremely challenging, almost impossible in real time. So, and of course, this is just the cognitive uh, limitation Secondary speaking, is just that they just don't have access to that information, and at least not on their cell phone or not on their terminals. So what we do instead is that we say that, hey, well, we, we're going to uh, receive all this information, mine all, all this uh, valuable insight for you, and in return, we're going to give you a single recommendation for each individual drivers, depending on your state, uh, your past driving history even, and your current location will give you a personalized recommendation, tell you that uh, if you drive and room, uh, look for passenger in a particular small region, your chance of finding passengers will be much better. I see. So this is beyond uh, you know, 
them looking through the app. This is just looking for passenger randomly on the street. You're yeah. designing an app for them that the probability that you can pick up a passenger at this corner at this time mm. on this day goes up. Yeah, it's mostly for street hail job, mm. but of course, I mean, because if you position yourself in the right region, you potentially can also uh, increase your chance of uh, getting better booking trips. Nice. So it's actually both. Uh, so when we design and try to imagine what this particular system should do for the drivers, uh, actually we, we end for both. Wow, that sounds very complicated, very data-intensive exercise. And is this like live? So essentially the driver at any given moment or any given minute is getting live feed from your system where they can know where to position themselves? Yeah, yeah. So uh, after we developed the system, we actually put it uh, in the app store. Uh, so we basically just actively recruiting volunteers. But because the app is also in the app store, uh, as long as uh, uh, this person uh, is the taxi driver, he'll be able to download it from the app store and use it. And the app pretty much just after we confirm that uh, you are indeed a taxi driver, then is uh, off, off he goes. Uh, so the service is uh, live from the end of 2017 all the way until 2019. Wow. Have you plans to put this service out for the rest of the world? Clearly, this is a valuable app for taxi drivers and also customers must be benefiting because customers at the end of the day want a quick grab ride or a quick taxi ride. And if they can find a quick taxi, they feel better. And it seems this app is essentially matching the drivers to the customers. And if it works in Singapore, why not take it global? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that has been our goal for the past few years. Uh, I think the Singapore trial turned out to be very successful. Uh, I think doing our field trial in Singapore, uh, for all the drivers who are using our app, they managed to reduce their uh, vacant cruising time by around 34% when they are following our advice. This is versus if they, they just uh, drive on their own. Um, but this definitely is not it. You know? So when we uh, actually try to promote its usage globally, uh, we actually managed to secure a collaborator in Japan. So we also test the system uh, in Tokyo with uh, their second largest taxi fleet. So they are so interested in this that they hire about like, 30 dedicated drivers, just follow our recommendation uh, 24 hours a day. Uh, so the, the test was run uh, last year during the COVID time, but even during the very challenging situation, their empty cruising time can be reduced by more than 10%. That's very good. This is a great example of a research that has practical applicability, solving problems both for the customer and for the taxi drivers because they can increase their revenue, the customers can have a better experience and actually less waiting time or higher utility from dealing with taxi drivers. This is great for urban settings where we always constantly have these problems during peak times that could be on Friday evenings or early mornings. And we would thank Professor Shishfen to come here and talk to us about this great app they have developed based on the search factor study they had done and learning from that. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Stay tuned as we bring you more interesting research-based insights on a wide range of topics in business and economics. Subscribe to our channel now.